This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Welcome to the show, Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Alongside Freddie Coleman, my name is Joe Fortenball. We're sitting in for the guys this week. Oh, ho-hum, last night, the Angels defeat the White Sox 4-2 as the walking wing in Cooperstown, also known as Shohei Otani, two home runs. That was from the batting side of the equation. Ten strikeouts, four hits allowed, one earned run in six and a third innings pitch as he picks up the win. That was on the pitching side of the equation. What is this guy worth when he hits the open market? We'll talk about that later today at around 1.45 p.m. Eastern. The Philadelphia 76ers and James Harden, the clock is ticking. Harden has until Thursday afternoon to decide whether or not he is going to opt in to his $35.6 million player option. More likely than not, he will not opt in, and then he and the team will either come to terms on a deal, two-year deal, three-year deal, four-year deal, or he might head out in free agency and try to figure something out. The question is, for the league leader in assists, James Harden, who is coming off a career-best assist-to-T-O ratio, turnover ratio what's he worth what would you be willing to give him the Sixers can go as high as four years 213 million dollars a team like Houston could go as high as four years 205 million dollars but is it worth it is it worth it to bring James Harden back on the flip side to those who would say yeah you got to bring him back what is your other option that's a great point Harden leaves how do you replace that production who plays alongside Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid because if Harden's gone and he's not adequately replaced, and the Sixers take a big step back next season, oh boy, you're going to start hearing about Joel Embiid wanting to hit the open market, Joel Embiid wanting to go play for somebody else, and then you might have to blow up the entire organization once again. On the other side, if you bring Harden back, have you gotten any better? Philadelphia's been to the playoffs six years in a row. Five of those years, they flamed out in the second round. One of those years, they got swept in the opening round. James Harden's been with them in the postseason each of the last two years, and when they've needed him, most he has gone MIA game six and seven combined against the Boston Celtics this past offseason Harden shot seven of 27 which is 25 percent 22 total points 10 turnovers in two potential closeout games Sixers lose both they get eliminated from the playoffs last year in a series against Miami once again in the second round of the playoffs series tied 2-2 Games 5 and 6, Harden shoots 9 of 22, 25 total points, 8 turnovers. Now, I applaud the Sixers for finding a way to make best of the Ben Simmons situation because they were getting nothing out of him. Harden came in and gave you a lot more than Ben Simmons has given the Nets, but is it enough to get you over the top, to get you to the championship rounds? That's the big question. Freddie Coleman. Fresh off the set of First Take. Yeah, man. Looking fine, my friend. How you doing today? I'm good, my brother. Thank you for the kind words. All clothes that are happening for me on First Take. Thanks to Denise Coleman, my beautiful wife, who I just stay out of her way and let her do her thing because only bad comes out of me putting my outfits together when I get a chance to be on TV. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so what do you think here? I've got some audio I want to play from Tim Legler in just a second, but I wanted to bring you in first on this. Philadelphia. When it comes to James Harden, what should they do? What will they do? Do you think those two things are aligned? They're aligned. I know what they're going to do. They're going to re-sign James Harden because like we talked about yesterday, Joe, when you tell everybody who is somebody in Philadelphia 
that the Ben Simmons experiment didn't work, and we believe that James Harden, even though he's been playoff Jimmy in the worst way, is the answer to be the Robin to Joel and B when it comes to that Batman, then you got to see this through. It's not about a process thing. It's about we have a lot of confidence that this is going to be the right thing if you're Daryl Morey. But if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, Joe, I'm letting James Harden walk. If he wants to go to Houston and be down there with the lemon pepper wings and be there with family and his business investments, have right at it. If I'm the Philadelphia 76ers to make sure I'm a better basketball team in the playoffs, I'm making a play for Fred Van Vliet, a guy who can orchestrate your team. Tyrese Maxey can show that he is a more worthwhile number two to Joel Embiid that's number one. And if Ty- Tobias Harris gets out of his feelings, he could be a quality number three. What they need is somebody who can orchestrate and has made plays for their basketball team in winning championship situations. And we've seen Fred Van Vliet do that with the Toronto Raptors. And he's going to be a lot cheaper than a James Harden and maybe a more pressure-tested performer in the playoffs. I know the 76ers are going to do. They're going to keep James Harden. But if I'm the 76ers, I go to Fred Van Vliet and let this James Harden experiment come to an end like it's supposed to. Yeah, Daryl Morey, the general manager in Philly, who was Harden's general manager in Houston, he loves the guy. He loves Mm -hmm. the guy based on the advanced analytics and what he studies, and I can understand that. And the deal they swung to get him in exchange for Ben Simmons, they clearly won that deal. But that doesn't mean it's going to get them to the next level. They have to take another step in their evolution. They have to get to the conference championship round. They have to start truly contending for titles. And Harden's not going to be that guy. You've run it through two times with him in the postseason, and in the biggest spots, he goes MIA. You bring him back, how do you expect to get better? Look at recent championship teams and what they've done. A team like the Denver Nuggets, right? A couple years ago, 2020, 2021, they make a tweak. They make the deal for Aaron Gordon. Pays off huge in the postseason this year. Huge. It doesn't mean it's going to happen right away. So maybe another year of Harden, so be it, but... The Gordon deal there in Milwaukee, bringing in Drew Holiday to complement the team, that put them over the top. Even on a smaller scale, that didn't result in a championship. Look at the Lakers this past year. They were a mess. They make the move. Russell Westbrook's out. In comes D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, and suddenly the defense gets much better. Team gets healthier, and they contend at a high level. They go all the way to the conference championship game. So a tweak needs to be made, but the idea of it being hardened coming back again, I don't see how that gets you to another level. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst on what the Sixers should do. I don't think you win a championship with James Harden. It's that simple. I just don't think you do. When when you look at true star players around the NBA, and I'm not saying that James Harden's not a star, clearly. He's been an MVP in this league, statistical domination for, for a decade. When you look at star players, though, right, there's a couple things that most of those guys will be able to do that James Harden has shown repeatedly he can't. And, and here's the first thing. Star players' floor on a given night yeah. can't be what James Harden's floor is. Mm-hmm. Okay? My point being, if you're a 23 to 25-point guy, right, that's who you are, you might have a rough shooting night in a playoff game or a big spot or it's game five and it's 2-2, but you're going to find a way to get to 20, you know, because you get to the line, you're still making plays. Maybe that's a night you get eight, ten assists, whatever it may be. When James Harden hits the floor, it's a six-point night Uh. with six turnovers and disappears in the fourth quarter of games where he doesn't want any part of that moment. You can't overcome it. Because he's got the ball the whole game. That's Tim Bontemps. Excuse me, that's Tim Legler with his thoughts on James Harden. One thing that stands out to me, Freddie Coleman, joining Joe Fordenball here on Fitz and Harry ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Why do you – I know he's always linked to Houston 
Why do you think Houston would be interested? With such a young team that needs to develop, why would they want to add him to the mix? Because Ime Adoka knows how much James Harden loves the city of Houston. And if you're going to have any kind of veteran leadership to show those guys the way before they're really ready to win, you're banking on that when that happens, James Harden is going to be too old to have any kind of factor when it comes to your organization. He has made it very, very plainly known that he loves that city of Houston, that he has a lot of interest there. His family loves the city of Houston. So he could be very seductive where you have that kind of contract, Joe, that you know it doesn't have to be four, five years. At the end of it, you want to buy him out and send him on his way? You can do that if you're the Houston Rockets. At the same time, though, if you're Ime Odoka, maybe the last guy you need in that locker room is somebody who the players like and the players may respect. But when you really need him for winning time, you're hoping that the players will do the opposite of what we see James Harden do in those situations. And I think if you're also the Philadelphia 76ers, and this is the most frustrating thing about James Harden, and you can hear that in the voice of Tim Legler yesterday when he talked about that on first take. He has such gifted ability, Joe, that he should not be having a floor. The floor for James Harden should always be, man, he didn't score enough, but boy, he had an impact on the game. Right. When he has that floor, it's as if he's not there. He decorates the court more than he's actually playing on the basketball court. You expect that from guys that are the eighth, ninth man on your bench or a guy that wants to be a star but can't be a star, has not the ability to be a star. James Harden has been a superstar. And the reason I use the words has been because I don't think he's a superstar now. We've, we've seen way too many times, Joe, that he's failed in those moments. And that's not what superstars do. You can have superstar numbers. That does not mean you're a superstar player. For me right now, James Harden is that guy. Superstar numbers, yes. Superstar numbers in the regular season, absolutely. A superstar player in the playoffs, no. And to me, that weighs more in the playoffs what he has not done than when he's done in the regular season time and time again. All fantastic points, all reasons that would make sense for why Philly would want to move on. But like you said earlier, Philly probably doesn't want to move on. So if they're going to get this done, let's go inside the numbers for a second. Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider on the negotiation Harden the Sixers are currently facing. He can get four years. I can't see the Sixers giving him four years. The Sixers would probably prefer to give him two years. My guess is he probably is going to get three in the end. So the real question is, can they find a way to give him a contract that leaves the other doors open? And it's going to be hard, and it's something that they've been working on for weeks, and I'm very interested to see what they come up with by this weekend. Oh, boy, are you ever, are we ever. Tim Legler is going to join us to talk about that and more at 1 p.m. Eastern today. Diana Russini, ESPN NFL reporter. She's at 1.30. Buster only on what happened in, with the Angels last night. You cannot stop Shohei Otani. He's at 2.30 p.m. But back to the Sixers. They're not the only playoff team running it back. Why one Western Conference squad thinks their best shot at a title is with the exact same core that came up short last season. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio with Freddie Coleman and Joe Fortenball on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. With your Rob Palenka, LeBron James, and the Lakers, you think we're a lot closer maybe than we thought we were going to be. There's a lot of parity in the league right now, and everyone smells an opportunity to, to chase a championship. We're going to try our best to stay in that packer at the head of that pack. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
with Rob Palenka, LeBron James and the Lakers, you think we're a lot closer maybe than we thought we were going to be. There's a lot of parity in the league right now and everyone smells an opportunity to, to chase a championship. We're going to try our best to stay in that pack or at the head of that pack. What they are basically doing is saying, we're giving this a chance, and I'm empowering my head coach. We're only going to get players that fit how he plays instead of getting whatever big name we can and telling our coach, make it fit. So here's the big question. If you made it to the NBA Conference Finals this past spring, one of only four teams to do so, do you feel you're good enough to seriously threaten for a title without making any major adjustments to your roster. Okay. He's Freddie Coleman. I'm Joe Fortenball. We're in for Fitz and Harry here on ESPN Radio. We, of course, are talking about the Lakers of Los Angeles. Rob Palenka, Lakers general manager, on the plans for the roster this offseason. We want to try our hardest to keep this core of guys together and also improve around the edges and on the margins to not only get back to where we were last year, but hopefully take the next step um, and get into the NBA Finals. There's a lot of parity in the league right now, and everyone smells an opportunity to chase a championship, but uh, we're going to try our best to stay in that pack or at the head of that pack. What do you think, Freddie? The Lakers were a seven seed last year, 43 and 39 overall. They finished 10 games back of the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference, but it was the tale of two seasons for the Lakers. First yep. half of the season, which was a struggle, then the big trade, then the second half of the season where they were much more competitive. What happened to the good old days when people thought that Rob Palinka did not know what he was doing? Oh, happy times. <laughs> Everybody thought he was just a Rob Lowe lookalike. He was going to get his SAG card once again and go back to acting and everything like that. And all he's done is made that work. At the trading deadline, the last time they get Anthony Davis, they win the NBA championship in the bubble Olympics. And he did the same thing at this trading deadline this past season, getting the right kind of pieces. So let's give a lot of flowers to Rob Palinka that he knows what the hell he's doing. As a general manager of Los Angeles Lakers, he also knows this. He knows the pulse of his team. He knows exactly who they need and what they don't need. It could be very easy to clear out salary space because there's some contracts there. What's Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, that they add them up could equal the kind of number that he could look at to go out to somebody like a Draymond Green or anybody else. But he likes what he has. And a lot has the belief that LeBron James is still going to play like that in about to be his 21st season. And that if Anthony Davis can stay reasonably healthy – through an 82-game regular season. You make sure he's right as rain when the playoffs roll around because we've seen what he's been able to do if that is going to be the case. So you clearly understand why Rob Palika feels no need to go out there and try to make a splash. He doesn't need to go get a Chris Paul. He may not need to go get a Draymond Green or Kyle Kuzma. He likes the guys that he has because everybody fits together. And how much have we seen that, Joe, with teams that win championships? Golden State two years ago, the Denver Nuggets this year. When you have a fit and everybody believes in each other and you're reasonably healthy, you believe you can do some things and this way you'll be ready come playoff time because you've been through that before. Vegas season is legitimate. They're 11-1 to to win the title next season. That is fifth best in the NBA behind the Nuggets, Celtics, Bucks, and Phoenix Suns. On one hand, you made it to the conference finals last year right. and you lost to the team that went on to win the championship. So you got to feel you're close. But on the other hand, when you get swept out of the playoffs by the Denver Nuggets, uh -huh. how close were you? Because if yeah. that's the cream of the crop and that's what you're contending with, you weren't even sniffing anything in that series as that team ran roughshod over you. But what tweaks out there could be made to put you that far ahead of Denver? 
is Denver even going to be that formidable next season? Not to say they're not, but sometimes teams come off championships and there's a step back. There's nothing wrong with that. For the Lakers, the post-trade of Russell Westbrook, where they end up bringing in D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, and Malik Beasley, that team got a lot better on the defensive end of the court. But in terms of roster construction, it really comes down to one thing, which you already mentioned. It's the health of Anthony Davis. If Davis is not on the court in a capacity where you can trust him night in and night out, not for 82 games in the regular season, mm-hmm. but for 16-plus games in the postseason. If you don't have that, you're not competing anyway. Well, you need that, and yeah. you need LeBron, because injuries are what has derailed this team more than anything else the last few years. And this brings some memory to everybody's memory. Denver Nuggets had the best record in the Western Conference, but it's not as if they ran far away from everybody else. They have 53 wins. Memphis had 51. Sacramento had 48. Phoenix had 45. So it's not as if it was Denver and everybody else in the Western Conference. And that's why Rob Palenka said what he said. He said, look, if we were the kind of team that we were at the end of the year, we're a lot closer to being closer to the Denver Nuggets. Maybe we're the second seed. Maybe we're the third seed. We don't have to have a play-in game situation. That's another thing that he's backing, banking on, excuse me, by looking at what this team was, not what this team was at the beginning of the year, but what they were at the end of the year. That's why he's taking pause for the cause to say, let's not go out and make a knee-jerk reaction, think we need to get somebody, and mess with the chemistry that we were able to fortify and make that happen. And even in the conference finals versus Denver, there were two games, Joe, where they had double-digit leads against the Denver Nuggets, and they couldn't hold those leads because Denver's an elite offensive basketball team, and they proved that in the NBA conference finals and then winning the NBA championship. I just have this kind of caution. It's a lot to ask of a team when your two best players have two different questions. LeBron, the age factor, even though he's still going to be great, and Anthony Davis, the injury factor. I go to the New York Mets. They were basing a lot of their fortitude and what they were going to do this year on two aging superstar pitchers. And Max, and when it comes to Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, one has finally picked it up, the other's still trying to find it. That could be a very, very different way to go about thinking we can win a championship when our two best players are the ages that LeBron James and Anthony Davis are. I mean, James is going to be 39 in December. So on one hand, you'd look at that and you'd say, yeah, there's not a whole lot left. But if you go back through what he did last season, 28 points, eight rebounds, six assists per game on 50% shooting from the floor. Are you kidding me? Like at 38 years old? I get it. I understand that all those points are made, but how many times we don't see the cliff until we get tossed over the cliff. And not saying he's near that cliff when it comes to LeBron James, but you can't have him playing the kind of minutes, Joe, that he played towards the end of the year and in the conference finals. That's asking he played 35 a game last season. 35 yeah. a game is a lot. Right, and then hiked that up where he was averaging about 41 minutes yeah. in the semifinals and the conference finals. He's great, but don't, don't knock the great out of him if you're, not, if you're the Los Angeles Lakers. What do you think the window is left for his career where he can – perform at the level we saw last year still exceptional like I said 28 points eight rebounds pretty much seven assists per game on 50 percent shooting how much longer can the Lakers or any team for that matter bank on that type of production from James you think two three more years it's a great question and normally I would say maybe a year or two or it could be year by year LeBron has thrown that out the window think about that we LeBron James has become what a lot of people did not think he was going to be Tom Brady Everybody kept telling me when Tom Brady was in year 15, that's going to be it for him, and that cliff is going to be there, and, man, it's going to be awful. And he played until his 23rd season, even at a close to an elite level when he didn't have elite protection around him when it comes to Tampa Bay and in a bad division got them to the playoffs. We could be seeing the same thing for LeBron James. We keep waiting and saying, okay, by year 21. 
we're maybe saying by year 24, by year 25. It's going to get to a point, Joe, that he's going to be 80 years of age. We're going to wheel <laughs> LeBron out there. He's going to get a triple-double. Then we're going to wheel him out there again. He's going to get his team to the NBA Finals. They're going to wheel him out there again, 80 years of age. And he's going to be the MVP. Certain guys are different. LeBron has shown he is really different, different, different with the way he's been able to play this late in his career. Quickly, if Freddie Coleman's money is on the line, who goes further in the playoffs next year, the Lakers or the Suns? The Lakers. I still think the Suns have depth issues, and you still got to work in Bradley Beal and see how that's going to work because now Devin Booker is going to be the lead guard or at least a combination of that. Kevin Durant, I wonder about his health ability. It always seems the last four or five years, Joe, that he has an injury that sets him back about 10 to 15 games. So I think we can't anticipate that happening when it comes to Kevin Durant. The Lakers know what it's like. The Suns are still trying to figure that out, getting a full season out of Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal and Devin Booker playing together. And they're going to have to learn that on the fly. That is something the Lakers don't have to worry about. See, what's fascinating about the Suns is that they have scoring and playmaking in abundance. So yeah. they went out and they added more scoring and playmaking in Bradley Beal without uh-huh. addressing some of the defensive concerns, the 3 and D wing concerns, uh-huh. the depth concerns that plagued them in the playoffs last year. Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance offers 24-7 protection when you bundle home, auto, and motorcycle. Learn more at Progressive. ESPN Radio Rankum continues. Freddie Coleman is about to make all of Western New York, including my wife, Nicole Fortenball, extremely (laughs) unhappy. That's next. Freddie Coleman, Joe Fortenball, sitting in for Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I'm Christine Lisi. The Lakers and GM Rob Palinka's plans this NBA offseason center on continuity. According to Palinka, LA's not planning to make any significant roster changes. Instead, we'll focus on keeping the core intact after reaching the Western Conference Finals last season. We'll likely look to upgrade a little bit defensively. Mets owner Steve Cohen will address the team's struggles in a news conference before tonight's home matchup versus the Brewers. New York and that monster payroll has lost 16 of 22, 16 games out in the NL East, eight and a half back of the third NL wild card. Center Connor Bedard, the most anticipated NHL prospect in years, expected to be drafted first overall by the Blackhawks in tonight's NHL draft, 7 Eastern, ESPN, and ESPN+. Simone Biles plans to return to competition at the U.S. Classic outside Chicago early August, first event for the gymnastics superstar since the 2020 Olympics. From the top five NFL quarterbacks. Prescott has had a fantastic. The windows my whole career. You want to win the Super Bowl. To the top five NFL fan bases. We're ranking the top of everything in the NFL. This is ESPN Radio's. Rank them. The top number five fan bases. Number five. All right, so before we get started here, I want to make it very clear that this is likely to get very ugly. It's one thing when you're ranking running backs and wide receivers and quarterbacks. It's another thing when you're ranking fan bases. Mm -hmm. So right out of the gate, 
Triple eight, say ESPN. Oh boy. Triple eight, seven two nine three seven seven six. Freddie and I would imagine some of you might take exception to our top five fan bases list, so you will have your opportunity. Triple eight, say ESPN. Triple eight, seven two nine three seven seven six. He's Freddie Coleman. I'm Joe Fortenball. We are in for Fitz and Harry here on ESPN Radio. Freddie, fan base number five. You're up. Who is it? For me, it's the who that who that. Who that think gonna beat them Saints fan base? Because <laughs> I just love their fan base. I think they're they're not just passionate, but they're as they like to say, they're geechy passionate about their football <laughs> team. They're like a college town that supports an NFL team. It doesn't matter whether they're down in New Orleans, they travel well. I remember the Super Bowl they played against the Colts. It's not like a Saints home game. That's the fifth best fan base, in my opinion, the New Orleans Saints fan base at number five. I'm going to go to the Pacific Northwest. Number five for me is the Seattle Seahawks. Let this be a lesson to all the young people out there. Go out and explore the world. About 10 years or so ago, 15 years ago, I decided I wanted to see as many NFL stadiums as I could. I wanted to knock them all off. And in 2013, I went to Seattle, week two, Sunday night football against the San Francisco 49ers. It was the heyday of the Legion of Boom. I believe it was the year they went on to win the Super Bowl. It was an incredible experience. Wow. I've never been in a stadium that loud. The people were nuts all day long. The entire way, you you could just pass through so many bars and parties on the way down to the stadium. The stadium itself is awesome. The city is awesome. And the fan base was absolutely nuts with how loud they could make that stadium. Seattle, fan base number five for me. Number four. Uh, for me, it's the Buffalo Bills fan base. And I'll tell you a quick Ooh. story. One time, I'm DJing a friend of mine's wedding, and on the way there, you had to drive towards Buffalo because she got married not too far away at Fredonia State University. So I'm listening to Buffalo Bills game, opening day, 1992, and they're giving traffic reports on where the best parking availability is for (laughs) Buffalo Bills fans. That told me all I needed to know about a great fan base that is Buffalo. Plus, any fan base that does not have a problem with throwing teams and throwing people on the tables, that's the right kind of fan base for me. Not something I would do, but they do it, and nobody blinks an eye for me to Bill's fan base number four. All right, so you got number four. I don't have a whole lot to add here because I have who you had listed five as my fourth. That's the New Orleans Saints. One thing I like to consider when it comes to rankings like this, being here in Vegas, talking to bookmakers, I like to know which teams have a more significant home field advantage. That is factored into the point spread. Some teams, mm, you go to Carolina this year, it might not be seen as that hostile an environment, that difficult a place to win a game. But if you want to go to a place like New Orleans to win a game, that's going to be factored into the point spread. Not just the noise, but the love that that city has for their team. It is almost unmatched anywhere in the NFL. Saints are number four for me. Number three. Green Bay Packers fan base. Anytime you can have people in the smallest city to have a professional team, and they're like that where they pass down tickets to generation to generation to generation to generation, there's not a five-year-old kid in Green Bay that does not know who the hell Vince Lombardi is. Because if he does not know who, the, who that person is, they can't live in Green Bay. That tells you all you need to know about that fan base. Cheeseheads. And they, we talk about <laughs> fan bases that travel. They will go anywhere. If you had an NFL football game in China, they would find a way to pack that place full of Packers fans and be their cheeseheads, bratwurst, et cetera. Packers fans base at number three. 
Number three for me is about the nation, Raider Nation, because I'm not going to call them the Las Vegas Raiders. They've been here for a couple years, but it's not about the Las Vegas fan base. It's not even about the Oakland fan base. There's the L.A. fan base. The nation is everywhere. They have to be respected because I don't know if any fan base has dealt with more losing and more turmoil over the last 20 years and routinely shown up to support their teams. I worked in the Bay Area for six years. I covered the Raiders. Those tailgates were insane. I remember taking my wife, my sweet little wife from Western New York, who was exposed (laughs) to so little growing up. I took her to her first Raiders game. They were playing the Bills. That's her team. She's pregnant. We show up in the parking lot. She looks at me. She goes, I'm not getting out of the car. She goes, I'm not getting out of the car. She goes, I'm not getting out until Lowe gets here. Lowe being Lorenzo Neal, the great NFL fullback who I worked with in the Bay Area. She goes, I'm not getting out of the car until Lowe gets here. She couldn't even trust you as her husband to protect her. She needed an NFL player. Boy, that's bad. Exactly. And one of the all-time great blockers, too, to get her in and out of the stadium. I said, look, it might look a little bit different than you're used to. They're painted up. It looks crazy. Let's just check out some of these tailgates. We have some great radio listeners up here. And sure enough, time of her life. That team could lose every single game. Those people will continue to show up. Raider Nation, number three for me. Number two. The Kansas City Chiefs fan base. And I could just say for the barbecue alone, the smell of the fan base. But it goes even beyond that because they're so good at not only having that kind of noise, but also if you're a Chiefs player, you're always a Chiefs player. You could go to another team, unless the Raiders, the Broncos, the Chargers, and they're still going to love you as a Chiefs player. They've had, I can't guarantee, I can't even imagine how many kids are going to be named Patrick or Mahomes <laughs> in the next 15 to 20 years based on that. So many kids were named Lynn after Lynn Dawson or Otis after Otis Taylor, although I'm glad that nobody decided to name their kid after Ed Podolak. That would have just been awful if as <laughs> a Chiefs fan. But that fan base, the way they make that kind of noise at what used to be always will be called Arrowhead Stadium, I got the Chiefs fan base at number two. Completely agree. Not much to add. Extraordinarily hostile place to try to steal when the Chiefs have been phenomenal at home, and a large part of that is because of their fan base. Number one. For me, the Steelers fan base. Anybody that can make a Sticks song relevant and nobody <laughs> says, what are you doing? Like No one's saying Sticks. Everybody knows when Renegade plays at the beginning of the fourth quarter, man, it is on like it used to be Donkey Kong when it comes to the Steelers fan base. And, oh, by the way, we talk about fan bases that travel. I've seen Steelers fans take over stadiums. They've done it down in Dallas. At times they've done it in Cleveland. The Browns are usually not any good, which is a lot in the last 40 to 50 years of that organization. That Steelers fan base, they're blue collar. They're tough. They can be mean. They can be a little nasty. But I've seen that fan base be very, very respectful of opposing teams when a player plays well, unless they play for the Browns, the Ravens, or the <laughs> Bengals. That Steelers fan base to me. I think that's the number one fan base in the NFL. Number one for me is the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Freddie, you know this is a married man. I married in the Bills Mafia, mm-hmm. and I like the bed more than the couch, so I'm going to give them a high ranking. But a, one thing a lot of people don't know about Buffalo Bills fans and Ralph Wilson Stadium, they open the lots for RVs on Friday to pull in, park, and start tailgating. This is not the University of Alabama or the University of Tennessee. This is a professional football team where these people start tailgating at the stadium on Fridays. The Wings, the Mafia, Mm. putting people through tables. Bills Mafia, number one for me. You and I both left Philadelphia off our list. You think we're going to get in some trouble for that one? Well, I'm good with it. If I'm in trouble with Eagles fans or the Cowboys fan, I'm all right with it. (laughs) <laughs> you're it used doesn't to bother it. me. Yeah, you're used to it. Yeah. Chris Carlin and Chris Canty 
CNC Music Factory, they both had Philadelphia number one. So there's more to discuss on the other side of this. Triple eight, say ESPN. Triple eight, seven two nine three seven seven six. Do you have a problem with Freddie's list? My list? Do you have your own list? Triple eight, say ESPN. Triple eight, seven two nine three seven seven six. What is the best NFL fan base? That's next on Fitz and Harry. He's Freddie Coleman. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Who is the best fan base in the National Football League? Freddie Coleman says the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm Joe Fortenball. I say the Buffalo Bills. What say you? All right. 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. Some breaking news at the National Football League. Adam Schefter, ESPN NFL reporter, tweeting this seven minutes ago. A handful of NFL players, including Colts cornerback and kick returner Isaiah Rogers, are expected to receive season-long suspensions this week for allegedly gambling, sources tell ESPN. We will keep you apprised of that as it happens throughout the day. But the conversation right now, the top fan bases in the NFL. Freddie, Uh you had your say, I had mine. We're bringing on Christine Lisi, ESPN Uh Radio Sports Center anchor extraordinaire. Christine, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Any thoughts, any thoughts whatsoever on one Frederick Coleman's rankings. Hey. <laughs> I think I, I felt it was a little low. Freddie, okay. that was very hurtful, putting I, the Bills at number wow. four. Now, now, now I'm in bed very with Christine. Hurtful. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> I just think, from my standpoint, like I don't know if there's another fan base that identifies so closely to a team as mm-hmm. Buffalo fans do, as Bills fans do, and like how the team is so identified with them. It's it's so intertwined. Like you saw, like all the bad things happened last year from from what happened, uh, you know, with the tops mass shooting all the way through Demar and like how how close the team was connected to the yeah. community and the and the community and the fan base to the team. Like I don't know if that exists elsewhere. Um, I don't know if you get pre Sun Sundays and other fan bases saying a little go Bills at the end of Mass. I'm <laughs> I'm just you know I'm not I'm not sure that happens. And then I I know for sure that if I met Joe's wife, she and I would be best friends because Easily. that bond Easily. That, that bond is like it's it's so hard to explain. Like if I see someone in a Bills jersey or whatever, I will immediately run up to them and we will you know we will bond immediately over everything and then i think too like all the heartache we've been through uh-huh. and we're still there yeah. still yeah. wearing our stuff still yeah. flying those flags like uh-huh. there's a couple other fan bases that you know when they're not as good you know you don't see the stuff but we are always there and plus how can you not it's mafia so how can you not yeah. how can uh-huh. you not put us at number 1 so so let me get this straight don't go against the mafia that's right when, according yep. to christine Lisi. <laughs> If you marry a Bills fan, you should automatically be a Bills fan. And yes. if you yep. see another Bills fan, you if you don't go over there and hug them, then the problems are going to be developed. Okay, I got it. I want to make sure I understand that. <laughs> uh, so I still Christine, love you, Freddie. I love you Christine, too, Christine. Christine, my Thank wife you. is from, from East Aurora, mm-hmm. all right? So yep. I know all about Bar Bill. It's 
my we were just back there a couple weeks ago for my brother-in-law's wedding. I was at Bar Bill three times in three days. Okay. Uh, twice was in actually one day. It, I, I can't stop with the beef on whack. I can't stop with the wings. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing I noticed about Bills fans, and I've been back there a couple times. Freddie, yeah. th- these people, no matter what time of year it is, are head-to-toe decked in, out in Buffalo Bills gear. They're always wearing Bills gear, jerseys, T-shirts, hats. Christine, it's everywhere, and it's at all times, no matter the time of year. Yeah, we don't stop. <laughs> I wear my stuff all year round. The, the all that all my stuffs true. up in the house and everything. Yeah, it's. Uh, did you go? Did you see the picture of Demar Hamlin Avenue in yes. East Aurora? Oh, yes. really? that is That's so fantastic. cool. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's tremendous. It, it is a it's a wonderful place to visit for a short period. You know, you got in-laws there, so a short period. You want to do it in doses, yeah. but it was it's <laughs> wow. absolutely wonderful. Yeah. All right, Christy, thanks for coming on Thank and making the case. We appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. So, Freddie, there you go. There's a bridge burned. It, All those years at ESPN. No thanks to you. <laughs> Christine and I you, Christine and I were fine. And then you really just piled up. Well, Freddie's mm-hmm. rankings, Christine. You know, he I, had the Buffalo Bills a little low, Christine. Just make it Freddy. on. I don't know. I've always said Christine Lisi is the nicest person in the world. She makes us treats every day. Evan. Uh, when, whenever the Bills win. You start <laughs> talking negative about her Bills, you yeah. see a side of Christine that you didn't know existed. See, I've known this for a while. I wasn't talking about Christine being bad, but then you got, you know, Joe and Evan just being the, the law well, firm the law firm aside Freddie's head, making nah, me look bad. Christine read the email and said, I need to come on at twelve forty five. Freddie's out of his mind and, and that's There's what There's no happened. way Christine's saying Freddie out of his mind. She may say Freddie's a little crazy. She's too nice to say I'm out of my mind. I said she's too nice until you start talking about her bills negatively. <laughs> then you see a side of her you didn't know existed. <laughs> Freddie's gonna be walking through the halls in Bristol like normal, smiling, being uh-huh. nice and friendly to everyone. And hey, then, how you doing? Everyone's and, gonna just go, Ugh and, and just turn their head yeah. and just keep walking away. Or, 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 or a cupcake's going to hit me in the back of the head, and I'll turn on going to be Christine giving me angry looks, which she's never had in her life in all the 19 years I've known her. <laughs> He's Freddie Coleman. I'm Joe Fornball. We're in for Fritz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, let's go to the phones. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Best fan bases in the National Football League is the topic of conversation today. Joe in Ohio. Joe, welcome to the show. Who's the best fan base? Best fan base. Hey, I'm I'm a Steelers fan diehard. My second favorite team is whoever's playing the Browns. But I will tell you, the Browns have the best fan base out really? there. These, this group of people, the beginning of every season, 17 and 0 Super Bowl. They're they're they haven't <laughs> sniffed it. They're never getting close. They are diehard. If you can root for that team year after year with what they're putting on the field, that's the best fan base. And, and Freddie's. Freddie's a genius. He's right. The Steelers fans are amazing. We travel, but it's it's not tough being a Steelers fan when you're you've got a winning record every year. And and Freddie, I agree with you. The Bills, I mean, eh, whatever. I, <laughs> yeah. I can tell you hate them. You know, they're, they're not all that. I don't you're hate, right, Freddie. I, I don't hate the Bills fan base. I mean, I don't hate any fan base. That's not how I get down. But there's certain. Fan, I'm a Cowboys fan. There are plenty of people in my fan base that I can't stand. <laughs> that, that that make me not want to be a Cowboys fan. Seriously. Seriously. Uh, all right. Speaking of the Cowboys, Kevin in Texas. Kevin, thanks for the phone call. Freddie Coleman and his comments on the Cowboys. What are your comments? My wife. I'm a Dolphins fan. My wife is a diehard Cowboy. She has a signed autographed football of Jason Witten in front of one of my grandkids' pictures on the mantle. Wow. <laughs> and uh, this is no lie. Quick story. We were watching a game. C.D. Lamb dropped the ball. 
She said it looked like the wind caught it. They were playing in a dome. <laughs> that is fantastic. That's a dolphin. That is a dolphin fan stuck in cowboy country. <laughs> we appreciate that door? phone call. Best of luck to you this upcoming season. How about oh that? Goodness. What, somebody opened the door? Also, the wind took the ball from C.D. Lamb. That conjures up, you know, it was a long time ago. I don't know if they were married then, but Bill's uh, Dolphins, Cowboys, the famous Thanksgiving game. Dan Marino, Leon Leon let the ball go. Oh, absolutely. Touched the ball. They got the game-winning field goal. I remember it well, my friend. Oh, man. All right. Plenty more on this throughout the course of the day. If you're wondering, Chris Canny, Chris Carlin, both had the Philadelphia Eagles listed number one in terms of top fan bases around the National Football League. They just wanted free cheesesteaks. That's what that was. Yeah, they want those free cheesesteaks. Freddie's got the Steelers. I have the Buffalo Bills. One of the highest paid NBA players, believe it or not, had some choice words for his team's fan base. And that's what's coming up next. He's Freddie Coleman. I'm Joe Fornball. This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.